Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. Welcome back to another episode of Action Action, the action movie podcast that watches all the action movies. We put them on our list. It's out there. People can view it and uh, we don't care. You tell them where to view it. For oh, God's sakes. Letterboxd. You can view it. Um, you can write nasty, dirty, sexual comments about it. <laughs> action Action. <laughs> action. Yeah. Action Action on our Letterboxd. Um, and you can, you know, say shit to Dustin on Instagram at Action Action Podcast. Why not? Anyways, I'm James. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by with my friend, <laughs> Dustin. You were doing so good there. Uh, <laughs> hey, how's it going? How you doing, James? Uh, I'm doing great, you know, as good as I can be on a Thursday evening. Um, almost to the weekend, buddy. So close. So close. I'm on my weekend as we speak, and then... My week will start on Friday. <laughs> so how do you like oh. them apples? I don't like them. Yeah. Um, hey, Dustin, I don't know if you know, but we are a part of the BFOP network. I've um, heard that. We haven't reached out to them in a while. Um, we're still on the website, so I guess we're still a part of it. Um, but you can find shows like uh, Comics Underground, Return Revenge or Resurrection, People Don't Forget, Cartwright, Seinfeld Podcast. Uh, throwback trivia takedown. You can listen to uh, Talking Back, podcasting after dark, uh, and you can check out some blast from our past. Maybe, <laughs> maybe at least the past episodes. At least the past ones. Um, yeah. So hey, we love being a part of this network, and uh, we think you should listen to all the shows all the time and listen to them all the time. Don't don't even do anything else with your life. Yeah. Call in sick to work. <laughs> <laughs> fuck calling tell in it, sick to work is your, always a good idea tell your wife to fuck off <laughs> no hey honey are, this is bad advice hey honey go pound sand go i got pound. shows to listen hey go push chain bitch i got shows <laughs> oh to listen to. don't yeah no no this is bad advice yeah listen to this listen to these shows when you get some time yes yes <laughs> uh so hey dustin we're gonna do a little segment we call sink or swim seek or destroy it should just be sink or swim Really confuse people. <laughs> yeah, they're always like, "Why do you call it this whole <laughs> long thing?" What? Why don't you tell us what we should seek or what we should destroy? All right, I watched. I watched a handful of films this week since we last spoke. Finished off my journey to Mount Doom with those little hobbits. 
Watched the last. Oh fuck! That was still going on. Watched the last Lord of the Rings. Four hours for the for the final film. So you're done your fifty hours. Done it all. Yeah, Uh, that was great. Uh, Then I watched this movie from the '80s called Space Hunter: Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Oh, this is an '80s cheesy sci-fi kind of you know cheap. Uh, main actor is a guy you probably would not recognize his name, Peter Strauss. Been in a lot of stuff. You you might recognize his face if you saw him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Molly Ringwald is in this. Ernie Hudson. The villain is played by Michael Ironside, although he's unrecognizable because he looks like uh, kind of like a Borg from Star Trek, but he's got this huge robotic <laughs> apparatus on his body, and he's got makeup. He's pale and bald. And, uh-huh. Uh huh. This was a shitload of fun. This is a real campy. Kind of cheesy, going for a bit of a 50s sci-fi vibe, but it's kind of like Star Wars meets the Road Warrior. Uh, this okay. this guy, he's, I don't know, he's kind of like a Han Solo type. He's out in space doing whatever, and him and, he, gets a, he gets a distress call. These women crash landed on this planet nearby. He's like, I'm going to go get it because it's a job, you know, like they'll pay me to f- go rescue them. But this planet is all weird and... They get kidnapped by Michael Ironside and his weird mutants. And uh, he gets down there. He meets up with Molly Ringwald. She's kind of a annoying brat. And then it's just a series of uh, adventures. And the man, I just, the costumes, the sets, the production design stuff is so fun and just ridiculous. And mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I don't know how much money they put into this. Probably not a ton. This is not a, a big time movie, but... It feels like they put money into it. I'm like, I can't believe people put so much effort and craft into this cheesy fucking movie. Uh, I had a great time watching it. It's fun when they, there's a movie of like that caliber, but they just like at every level, they just go all out. Yeah. And like it was actually some pretty crazy, creative, crazy stuff in this, like nice. in terms of, you know, vehicles that they had souped up for, for things. And yeah. And the costumes and everything like it was like they went all out they didn't hold back and it was kind of fun that there wasn't like i don't know they kind of it was it seems like they just let them have free reign like go to town like you know make, right create whatever you can come up with uh so that was a lot of fun more way more fun than i would have expected and then because i wanted to continue those good feelings i watched this movie called eliminators which has like the best fucking oh, poster you've ever seen. Yeah, that cover art is awesome. Yeah, and uh, it, unfortunately, it did not live up to Space Hunter. The, but the, listen to the plot, um, uh, 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 the description here: a former pilot rebels against his creator. He's like a cyborg now, who's part tank, by the way. <laughs> like the bottom <laughs> half of him is like tank tracks. Teams, yes. teams up with a scientist responsible for Android technology, her pet robot Spot, a rough and tumble riverboat guide, and a martial arts warrior. What the fuck? <laughs> and they go after this guy who is like a mad scientist yeah. who wants to send himself back in time so he can become the new Julius Caesar. <laughs> I mean, this sounds fantastic. Yes. Unfortunately, it does not live up to that level of amazingness um it's still fun like i had an all right time with it right it's not it's not uh bad well i mean it is bad but it's not bad in the ways that i was expecting but it's just kind of more boring than it should be for a movie where a fucking ninja and a cyborg and a riverboat guy and like all these people and a droid like team up with each other right um 
but like I say, there you can have some fun with it. It just it was a little bit of a letdown after Space Hunter. Um, <laughs> then I watched Frog Dreaming, aka The Quest. This is with Henry Thomas, the kid from ET. This is a kids' movie okay. from the eighties. Over here, never heard over of here, it. it was called The Quest. Uh, I never saw it. I remember the VHS box of The Quest. But it's from the Australian director Brian Trenchard Smith. He did like Dead End Drive In and a bunch of Ozploitation, Turkey Shoot, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a fun director. I've watched a bunch of his movies. This is a kid's one. Uh, I think it's like a thing I was like, oh, if I had seen this as a kid, I probably would have had a lot of love for it. Um, he is, for some reason, American living in Australia. He is like this adventurous kid. He's smart and he kind of builds all these little machines and whatever and he's trying to set a record of getting to school with his bike by using a train track and this like a thing that he connects to his bike and stuff um and then like the the local girl his age and stuff he they go into the backwoods and they find this like watering hole where this this creature might live there's this legend about this creature and so they he speaks to like the Aboriginal people to find out about the legend of this thing, and okay, uh, it doesn't really go the way I was kind of hoping it would. Right, it's kind of I don't know. It was a little dry. The end was was pretty fun when the creature actually comes out of the the pond, uh, creature quote unquote. But um, yeah, it just it's one of those things where it's like okay, if I'd seen this as a kid, I probably would have liked it a lot more. As it is, it was just whatever. Yeah, you know. Watch this crazy movie called Green Snake, directed by Choi Hark. Um, it's done a number of crazy martial arts movies. I thought this was going to be like a wire foo kind of thing. Right. But instead it was this like Chinese folklore movie about these two women who are like snake goddesses who are pretending to be human. One of them has fallen in love with a man and she's trying to get with him. And the other one doesn't know how to be human and doesn't really understand humans. And she keeps trying to tempt this uh, monk guy who is like this powerful, holy monk. And he thinks they're evil. So he keeps trying to fight them and stuff. Um, And it's weird because it gets all serious about like love and how how that transcends different beings and all this stuff. Weird. Um, Yeah. And it's like more about like kind of magic and really beautiful to look at the way it's filmed and, vibrant colors and stuff there is some kind of very little it's not really kung fu it's like they do like a kung fu move but it's so you know they will push wind over here and cause it to do a thing or oh i see uh, they're using like magic powers basically throughout the movie uh weird movie i don't i still don't even know what i think of it after watching it what did i just watch (laughs) yeah exactly uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure I said that to myself when I was done. And it's <laughs> the subtitles didn't even help make it like a, a lot of times I was like, what the fuck's going on? Like, <laughs> this is just so weird. Uh-huh. As uh, subtitles too. Not what I anticipated. Interesting movie, though. Like uh, I was interested in it. I just was like, I'm not exactly sure what the hell is going on all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing I'll mention, I rewatched The Hateful Eight, the Quentin Tarantino oh, yeah. Western chamber piece that all takes place in the one location. Yeah, I need to watch that again. Man, every time I watch this, I just like it more and more. Yeah. Uh, first time I went and saw it in the theater, I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. But, you know, probably one of my less liked Tarantinos. Mm-hmm. And then every, I've watched it three or four times now. And like every time I watch it, I'm like, this is fucking great. <laughs> like, nice. It's just like a play. Like it all takes place yeah. in this one area. 
these f- crazy characters. Jennifer Jason Lee is so amazing as the as the sort of villainess in this, mm-hmm. and of course Kurt Russell and Samuel Jackson and stuff. Walton Goggins, one of our f- favorites on the show. He's, yeah, he's great in it. Um, yeah, it's just such a fun, ridiculous uh, movie, and the and the directions it goes. Uh, and of course, Tarantino does his little non-linear thing and yeah. pulls it back. And but it's more—it comes off almost in a way, almost like a Agatha Christie thing or something. Cause okay, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like this one play, you know, they're in the room and trying to solve what has gone on here, kind of thing. But uh, yeah, Bruce, I'm gonna Bruce have Dern, to watch. I'm gonna have to watch it again. Bruce Dern is in this too, who we just saw in Last Man Standing. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, you should watch it again. It is long as shit, though. It's like two hours, 45 minutes. And there's an extended cut, apparently, that on Netflix or something you can watch that's like 20 minutes longer. It's a crying shame. Which I haven't seen yet, but mm-hmm. that's what I watched. Nice. Right on. Um, I have watched some TV. I uh, I watched the new, the first two episodes of the new season of True Detective. Oh, yeah, me too, yeah. I... Uh, I haven't seen any of the other True Detectives, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm digging that. Yeah, I like it. Uh, and then I've watched the first two episodes of uh, Monsieur uh, Spade. Right. I still got to get on that. Um, I really like it. Yeah. It's just kind of a. It's like a treat. Has I, John been watching it too? Yeah, he's been watching it. Yeah. We got uh, M or AMC Plus just so we can watch oh, it. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So and then we'll cancel it once the show's right. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, so I've been watching that, and then uh, actually last night I watched Equalizer three. Oh yeah, yeah. What do you think of that? Um, I enjoyed it for what it is. Yeah, it's kind of fun for what it is. Uh, there was a couple parts where I'm like, "How old is Denzel Washington?" It's fucking old, bro. And. I mean, there's a part with a girl and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is a love interest. Like, what is she like 30 and he's 60? Like, yeah. well, how old is Denzel Washington at this point? I mean, I, don't know. I, I knew I was like, OK, he's getting old because he's got like this baggy fucking outfit on the whole time. So well, yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's kind of hides. But they actually make him he's pretty 60, good. He's 69, bro. Holy fuck. Fuck. 69 years old and he's kicking ass. He's a slasher killer in that movie. <laughs> oh, he's awesome. <laughs> he's like a Liam Neeson style. Yeah, Liam yeah. Neeson's like style. Like taken. Yeah. Um, Doesn't he shove a gun like through someone's head and then shoot through it? Yeah, he, he shoots he shoots the eyeball and keeps shooting to make a hole. And then, and then he sticks the gun through yeah. the head to shoot someone else. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> Wish I thought uh, of that. I remember there was a good, he did a good stabbing too, to that guy out in the, in the street. Uh, yeah. He like, uh, through his like lower jaw, right? Like yeah. up through his head. Um, I liked it for what it was. It's very, um, it's just a popcorn it's a, movie. It's like a dad, dad action. Yeah. Although a little more violent maybe than the common, like the regular. I like the violence. It's good. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so I enjoyed that. And, uh, I think next on my list, I'm going to watch the, that bottoms movie. Oh, nice. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. It was hilarious. To so me. I'm going to watch that, but, uh, yeah, other than that, I haven't really watched that much. So why don't we get to the movie this week? This is a Patreon pick, right? Yeah. Sam wanted us to do this. Sam, one. Sam is just, he was craving it. 
we watched 1994's The Crow. Let's hear a trailer. People once believed that when someone dies, a crow carries their soul to the land of the dead. But sometimes, just sometimes, the crow could bring that soul back to put the wrong things right. Gasoline, I smell. <laughs> Victims, aren't we all? All right, uh, 1994, The Crow. So uh, a man brutally murdered comes back to life as an undead avenger of his and his fiance's murder. Um, so this is starring Brendan Lee. Uh, Michael Wincott, uh, Ernie Hudson, uh, who else? David Patrick Kelly. Yeah, David Patrick Kelly's in this. Bai Ling. Um, uh, yeah, a few people. Tony Todd. Yeah, so yeah. definitely a few people. Um, Dustin, you know, why don't you tell me about this film and uh, about your history? About The Crow, yeah. About The Crow. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, I didn't see it in theaters when it came out, but I think I was like 14 or 15 or something when this came out. Um, no, you were like 28. <laughs> this is 94, bud. Mentally, I was 28. <laughs> uh, but I remember I remember getting it on VHS, like owning it on VHS. Uh, yeah, and I was really into it. Like, I, I was wa- you know, re-watching it. It's been a long time since I saw it. Um, it's just got that 90s comic book shit going on, which at the time... You know, that's when comic books were like, let's get fucking dark. Yeah. Like, let's, uh, you know, even mainstream comics like Batman were like, let's get way more fucking dark with this shit. And, of course, we had Spawn and, Mm -hmm. yeah, The Crow and all this stuff and Sandman. But, um, yeah, so I I appreciated getting back into the atmosphere of this movie. But I'm very curious. I, I assume you haven't seen this before? No. Well, like, okay, so before I give you my opinion, uh. I didn't know anything about this movie other than this is the movie that Brendan Lee died. Dies, yeah. Right. While he was making it. Um, I didn't know anything about it. Like nothing. Like I was watching it. I'm like, is this a comic book? Yeah. Like, and so I got that it was a comic book movie. And then, um, and then I was like, did Heath Ledger watch this and come uh-huh, up with the yeah. Joker? Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a part of his uh, what informed his Joker. Because there's so much from this that I'm like, this is the Joker. Like, it's except it, he's like the protagonist. Yeah, it, it's like a it's like a emo good guy Joker. Well, before emo, we had a thing we called goth, James. <laughs> fuck goth. <laughs> and this movie is goth as fuck. It is goth. Um, yeah, there's. I think. There, I think you're definitely onto something there. Like, I definitely think Heath Ledger was took a little of this at least and put it into what he did with the Joker. Well, he took this and then just made it like crazy villain. Yes. Right. Uh, he's more over the top. I think. Yeah. Like Brandon Lee in this is. Uh, it, he's an interesting like kind of hero character because he is kind of crazy a bit, right? Like, and kind of you know he's weird and his line deliveries are kind of strange and stuff, which is kind of what makes him stand out, I think, at this time. I actually like am quite surprised 
by his performance. Yeah. Um, Pretty different from like Showdown in Tokyo or Laser Mission, which we've been on, <laughs> on the show previously. I think he did a f- phenomenal job. Yeah, like, he's great in it. Uh, uh, it's that, too bad. Like, I think it would have kind of propelled him to... I think so, for sure. Like the next level, right? Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, the movies he had done before were kind of like stepping stone movies. Yeah. You're building up your career and this was like going to be his first sort of bigger mainstream thing yeah it wasn't even mainstream you know it wasn't like mainstream mainstream but uh certainly a, a big step up from what he had uh, already done mm-hmm. um and yeah it's just you know absolutely tragic that uh he was killed on this i remember hearing it on the radio because i used to drive to to school and i would listen to the fox oh remember, yeah the fox rocks fox rocks man and they uh i remember them like talking about it on there and how he died and got shot while shooting the scene for people who don't know they uh fired like a dummy bullet that was still in the barrel it was supposed to have been cleared out after they had used this you know gun for a previous scene and so when they shot the fake round here it like propelled the previous fake thing out and it like shot him in the stomach and then he ended up dying yeah like i don't know how it works with you know uh, prop guns and like because we just had that uh alec baldwin right which incident. is still kind of ongoing uh, the whole rust stuff of that yeah um now that from what i understand was uh, was different because there was like live rounds yeah that were like mixed in or some shit yeah and which the, is like how the fuck does that the happen prop person was set. drunk or whatever but i was I reading really about know. this incident and it's it's equally surprising that something like this could happen where it was like the person who oversaw the gun stuff on set had gone home for the day and so that meant that one of these other prop people in the movie was in charge of it but they didn't know anything about gun stuff so they didn't tell the people to clean out the gun before they shot this new scene oh and so when he fired it you know one of the actors fired it at him and yeah i read that yeah. like the the actor that fired it he didn't act for quite a long time yeah after um yeah i mean it's tragic it, it's very tragic um 28 only he was in the yeah i mean shot this movie now i guess he had shot most of his scenes so that's how they were able to still finish the movie and um they brought in, uh, they kind of did a few rewrites to sort of change the way they would shoot some of the final stuff. And they used his stunt actor, Chad Stahelski, director of the John Wick mm-hmm. films and like Keanu's stunt double and stuff like that. Uh, he was the stunt double in this, so they used him. And then they very early digitally put like Brandon Lee's face on and a couple scenes. But I think they're like quick moments, so you don't really notice. Because, oh, you know, the I digital see. stuff at this time, not the greatest. Oh, yeah, because I read a thing where they made a mask because they had a mold of his face. Oh, yeah. And they made a mask and it was too eerie for oh, people yeah. that they, like, destroyed the mask and they just used the digital. Well, and it's a weird movie to watch knowing that he died while making it. Because it's this whole movie about this character who is killed and yeah. comes back to life uh, to get revenge. It's just strange. It's just all strange. And it's because it's sort of like this, like you said, we said gothy, whatever kind of, yes, emo, you could say emo movie. Yeah. Goth, Um, whatever. Fucking uh, hardcore. I I don't know. It's like, uh, uh, he's kind of like 
almost like a, you're watching a ghost or something while you watch the movie. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I definitely think this would have been a, a launching point for him, which is really too bad. You know what? The, like the crazy thing is, is so like I watched this this week, and then for whatever reason, I was like flipping through YouTube, and then I get onto. I don't know what it was, um, but they were talking about um, Chris Farley, who mm. did the voice work for Shrek. Yeah. And he was pretty much done. Like that movie, like he pretty much was done all the voice work when, right, he, when right. he died. And I guess they asked his brother to come finish it off because he could do like voice, a yeah. spot on impression of him. And he said no. Right. And yeah, that's interesting. And I guess it's just personal to each person, right? Like yeah. How they feel about that stuff. Because in this case, I was like, oh man, they went ahead and put the movie out anyway, even though he died. But apparently like his fiance, similar to in the movie, how he has a fiance. Yeah. I mean, in the movie, they both get killed, but he was about to get married also in real life. And his fiance was like, no, let's put it out. Cause it's like a monument to him, right? Like, right. okay, he died, but let's put out his work and so everyone can see it yeah. and um yeah so that part's all that's of yeah. course interesting backdrop to, yeah. to everything here but totally uh the thing that i really love about this movie i mean there's a there's a lot of flaws in this movie for sure but the thing that i really love about it is the atmosphere of it the it's so the grimy go- fucking city <laughs> it's it so, so gotham yeah it is it's like gotham but if you cranked it up yeah <laughs> like, oh yeah it's just like the rats in the gutters, fucking yeah. filth. It's so It's supposed dirty. to be Detroit, I believe, that they're in. Um, but I love the whole feel of that, the production design element of that. It's so fucking grimy. Like, you know, sometimes I like these old New York movies where New York is super grimy. And, like, somehow I feel like the director here, Alex Proyas, and, and all the people that worked on this managed to, like, let's make it even fucking sleazier than feeling than those yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so grimy. It's so dirty. It's um, always raining. It's always raining. Like, all all of the, like, villains are just scumbags. <laughs> yeah, absolute scum. Absolute scum. I mean... David Patrick Kelly, uh, two weeks in a row here for us. Yeah, um, the main guy... Uh, yeah, Michael Wincott. Michael Wincott. Top the- dollar is his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is such an awesome villain. Yeah, like, he's I just, great. I just love him. His voice is just so gnarly. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, I, at that time, you would, I would see. I remember watching him in a few movies at this time, like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He's right. in, and uh, he was like the bad guy in that Eddie Murphy movie Metro. Did you ever see that action movie? No. Um, he had a, he was he just popped up a lot at this time, and then right. I didn't see him forever. Yeah. But then he was in Nope, like uh, like a year or two ago. Back, oh yeah, uh, okay. The Jordan Peele movie. And it's a, he's just he was like the. Did you watch that movie? Yep. He's like the camera guy that they bring in to like try to shoot the alien thing. He's the he's the super gravelly voice. You probably don't even you're not recognizing no. him because he's old now. No, <laughs> I don't yeah. recognize him. Yeah, he's in that. Huh. Um, but yeah, he's fun. Like, and he's such a weird villain. He's got he's like so weird. He's got these all these swords, and he's got the like English like. <laughs> I don't know, swashbuckler outfit that I, he wears and stuff. I, I love you have the grimy city, you have the dirty scumbag, like lower level yeah. uh, guys. And then you got, you know, top dollar here who's like, yeah, dressed in like this weird clothing with swords and knives and then like 
sucking the like the burnt like smoke from eyeballs like oh, inhaling yeah. it like just weird shit <laughs> yeah it's really weird shit and then it's like girlfriend slash sister apparently it's a sister yeah um, but <laughs> we first meet them they're in that like bedroom and there's like oh, a and naked girl killed asleep. her <laughs> yeah he like turns her over and he's like i think we broke her <laughs> She's dead. And that's when she cuts the eyes out. She's like, she has such pretty eyes. And we see her kind of, she does that sort of thing. Yeah. A couple times in the movie. It's like these gross fucked up, I don't know, like it's very maniac weird. people. Um, I don't really understand his whole like business model. Cause he's just like, go light fires and we'll make profit. I'm like, what? How does that work? We yeah. skipped a step in there somewhere. Okay, so it's what? The Devil's Night or something? Devil's Night, yeah. The night before Halloween. Yeah, and it's like their whole thing is to like light at the like city chaos, on fire. like Go out there, start fires, fucking, you know, fuck people up, um, kill people, rob them. I don't know. Like It's just like create chaos and then somehow out of that there'll be some sort of business opportunities for him, I guess. It's very like it's very odd, and I don't understand. Yeah, they never really explain how that works, but I do love the cops too because mm-hmm. the cops like there there's so many of them, and they have like even their uniforms remind me of Gotham, and then you have um, uh, Ernie Hudson, mm-hmm. who I guess used to be a detective, but it was demoted to a beat cop. Yeah, he's been like busted down. And so that other detectives like busting his balls all the time. They yeah, have like the some weird scenes. fucking thing going on, which I found funny too. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty antagonistic with each other. Uh, yeah, or I guess Ernie Hudson's is one of those guys you can't let it go, kind of like the crime, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, he cared too much. So they like demoted him cause he wasn't, wasn't coming up with the right, uh, perspectives, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, that stuff's fun. I like Ernie Hudson in this. The kid is a little annoying. The girl it's, yeah. but, you know, what do you expect? And yeah, I think it's usually um, the case. I love Tony Todd. Yeah. He's like the right hand man in this. He's awesome. For Michael Wincott's character. So like, I was trying to think. <laughs> The thing about like, um, you know, like movies from the 80s or 90s, and maybe it's just because we watch so many movies now, like we don't, we don't pick up on all these different like character actors, but like Tony Todd, for example, like he is so awesome and so badass as like a, a right hand henchman that it's like, yeah, this guy's in like so many movies plays this kind of role, like this particular like enforcer role. And I'm trying to think of like, I don't like, do we really see that very much? The same kind of guys. A, a lot of times now in action movies and stuff, it's just like, um, you know, fill in henchmen. They all kind of look the same and they all just yeah, die. They don't stand out. They like don't Tony stand Todd, out. I feel like he's just as iconic as Michael Wincott, right? Yeah, like exactly. He's his, own, he's his own cool character in this. I like how he's kind of all business. Like he's got these nice suits. He seems like the most well-adjusted <laughs> of all these yeah, people yeah. Oh, in yeah. this criminal enterprise. Yeah. He's doing the sort of lawyerly side of things, but then, you know, he also ends up like throwing down with guns and stuff uh, later on in the movie. So he's not just like the bookkeeper or something. Yeah, exactly. He's He's badass in his own right. Yeah. And he just brings a cool presence to it. And, you know, pretty different from like his 
you know, role as like something like Candyman or whatever, but that's kind of the fun of it. Like I like that he's like he's all buttoned down and shit. Yeah. And they're all like he's I don't know why he's working for these fucking depraved lunatics. Well, and that's why it's like, okay, so everything that's happened, I'm like, okay, I mean it's gotta be a comic book. Yes. You know, watching it. Mm-hmm. Um because you have the world all these feels yeah, so the world. Yeah. There's so many things that I'm like I f- I really didn't like, you know, like he's playing the guitar on the roof. I'm like this is so fucking lame. <laughs> and I really did. I loved how those rooftops looked though with like the fake sunrise background and like those just those fake roofs that it would show like the, I know. it would pan over this fake city. I I like that because to me that's so like Gotham-y. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um I wasn't a big fan of the weird like warping that would happen where they would Oh, the way some of the like stuff was shot, like the the weird cuts and stuff. Yeah, it was a little too much for me. It's pretty stylized this movie. Yeah. Especially like I feel like more of the front half is like really heavy on that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, changing the filters and quick cuts and weird weird lenses and all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel that stuff works more for the flashbacky scenes, which mm-hmm. we get, which are more at the front of the movie. Um, I don't know. It's a cool, it's a cool style, but part of that is like, you know, if I watched it now, I might not think that, you know, for the first time, yeah. but because I was a teenager at the time that I saw it and this was like, right. this felt like a sort of organic type of filmmaking that showed up at this time. And, you know, David Fincher kind of has a you know kind of takes some of this look but you know watching it and i'm thinking of the look of it and i'm like okay seven came out the year after this dark you know dark looking movie um and then alex Proyas, the director he did dark city which preceded the matrix and had a lot of the same Mm -hmm. themes and ideas in it and also was like this fake weird city that they were in and stuff i mean Um, i can appreciate it like knowing obviously it's from 94 um, but I can appreciate that like, oh, I, I can see other movies. I can see other styles that are in movies that I don't know if they originated from this movie, but it, it seems kind of like they did. Yeah, I mean, I think some stuff definitely took from it. Like, I think the Wachowskis took from this for sure. Um, and then other stuff, it was just like organically happening you know when people have the same idea around the same time because they've been influenced by the same totally culture that was coming before right and so stuff like fincher and whatever like that was happening around the same time but obviously this is pulling from like tim burton's batman but then just take get rid of the camp yeah and make it super I mean, there's there's kind of some camp because there is is a little bit of he tries to he tries to like tell jokes and be like fun, which (laughs) I but it's like but it's like off putting because he's weird because he's weird. (laughs) But also like, you know, I like how the cop um, uh, Ernie Hudson, I like how he's just like. I don't know, just goes along with like, this is the reality, I guess. Yeah, he just like, accepts it. I mean, it's one of those things in a movie like this where it's like, well, we have to get past that right away because otherwise we're not, you know, we're going to spend a bunch of time on that. So he just has to accept that this is what's going on and we'll move. Uh, they've got that funny scene where he blows up the pawn shop. Uh, oh, yeah. The crow. I love that guy in the pawn shop. Yeah, John Polito, great character He's actor. Awesome. Um, that's a fun scene. He shoots the rings out of the shotgun and like blows up the pawn shop. And then 
uh, Ernie Hudson shows up and he's like, freeze or you're dead or don't move or you're dead. And he says, I say I'm dead and I move or something <laughs> like that. This is like all these weird. Yeah, all these weird stuff. lines. And he's like. He called, what is he called? He's like some freak freak of a mime or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what does he say? I'm going to have to look it's it like up. That freaky mime, he's out here on the streets now because I turned my back or something like that to that effect. But um, I don't know. It's There's a lot of fun moments like that. And again, using that backdrop, I just love the feel of being in this. It's almost like a fictional city. Like it's supposed to be Detroit, I think. Right. But it feels like it's its made up own made up comic book city like Gotham, like you're saying. Um, I'm I love the gang like their the whole gang when is when there's hilarious. the scene where they're like they each take turns like swallowing a bullet, like doing a shot, swallowing a bullet, and then they like they have this. Like, That's so weird. They have their like chant. Where it's like fire it up, fire it up, and they they all get crazy and then when they get down to just having the one like meth head guy left because they've all been killed at this yeah. point um and he's like oh man t-bird is dead and then he's like he's like fire it up fire it up <laughs> like a sad <laughs> trying to do like the old gang thing again uh we got the knife guy mm-hmm. uh what are they oh yeah Tintin. yeah he's throw he throws knives he throws knives he never misses I like that where he like slaps the knife out of the air when he throws it at him and stuff. Yeah. The, the action is, is pretty good. The action is pretty good. I like how he goes like one by one after all of them. And there's supposed to be this tie, you know, the tie back, the, the flashback to when they were like raping his fiance or killing him. Yeah. It's like he has to like, you're like, like as if you don't already know <laughs> that these guys are the ones you know, they have to show them he remembers in the past. them what they did at the time. And then, so he tries to do that to them or something. When, yeah. He stick and he sticks all of, uh, Tintin's knives in them. Yeah. Uh, what does Ernie Hudson say to the detective? He's like, I think you can rule out accidental death or something. <laughs> like that. And he leaves the crow symbol. Every time he kills one of them, he's got the blood on the wall for the one scene. Uh, and of course the more iconic later on in the movie when he lights, the gas on fire and it yeah. does the big crow symbol and stuff. Yeah. And like that is very comic book. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, so I don't know what you're supposed to get from that. Like, cause have you read the comic book? No, I never did. It was an underground comic. And so, oh, okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I loved comics and stuff, but there was a lot of stuff I wasn't exposed to, especially at that time in the nineties. Cause like, I wonder like what's supposed to happen after this. Is he supposed to fight crime? Yeah. Does he just go about regular, you know what I mean? Like, well, I don't, I don't know how long it ran either. Like if it was just a mini series and it, it ran a certain amount of time. I was reading a little bit about the guy who wrote it. Uh, I think it was James Barr or something like that. Uh, forgive me if I got that wrong, but uh, he wrote it because his fiance died in a car accident. Oh, okay. And so he wanted to kind of turn all these feelings into this sort of story. Right. Um, and so he wrote it and then he tried to shop it around to do a movie. Yeah. I heard of a hilarious one. Right. With a Michael Jackson yeah, musical. <laughs> oh my God. You imagine that? Oh, that'd be so, so weird. That would be so weird. Michael Jackson, a musical, The Crow. Yeah, that'd be just bizarre. Um, but then, so these two writers, and actually I got some of their books on my shelves here, horror writers, uh, David Scow and uh, 
John Shirley, they ended up getting a hold of it and writing a new script for it and hmm. stuff. And uh, that's when I think Paramount was originally going to put this out, but then when then when Brandon Lee died, they were like, mm, "We're not gonna we're not gonna do it now." And so I guess Miramax uh, came in and like spent a bunch more money to finish up shooting and. And they're the ones who put it out. And then it was actually a pretty big fucking hit. Like, not a colossal hit, but I think it was like a $23 million budget. And it, and they made like $50, $60 million on it. So, okay. pretty respectable hit for this kind of movie uh, at the time. And then, you know, ended up spawning, I think there's three sequels. And then there was a TV series as well. Really? Yeah, yeah. Have so, you seen any of those? I've seen the first sequel, which doesn't have Brandon Lee in it, of course, obviously. Um, so what what's a sequel about i fucking don't remember man i remember i watched it it's like city of angels i think it was called and i remember i did not like it and so i never revisited it and i don't remember oh, like interesting. shit all i think the fourth one has edward furlong from terminator 2 the kid he plays the crow in the fourth uh in the fourth movie huh <laughs> but okay uh, yeah can't i can't speak to the rest of those at, at all and the second one even like i shouldn't even i i remember not liking it but i don't remember anything i'm fucking about it so right um i imagine they have their fans too but oh probably but yeah there was also a tv show too so so the crow lived on uh definitely made an impact from just the success of this first film i mean i like the concept i i like him coming back and like it's a great like this movie is a great origin story of the crow, like how he came to be. I imagine he goes on to fight crime. Um, he must in some other way, but I mean, yeah, I'd be interested to know actually now that you bring it up. And I do like how he can see things through the crow's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like that. That like, kind of helps him out when yeah. he sees certain things from a different angle. Uh, it's interesting in this movie, they kind of reveal what, his weakness is which is the crow yeah <laughs> which is kind of fun too yeah and that's Bai Ling's character who's like I guess she's some kind of witchy woman right because she she's in the car with Tony Todd and Michael Wincott's characters and she's like you can hurt him through the crow you if you get the if you can kill the crow you can basically it, make him mortal again but also she kind of wants to catch the crow and like harness the power of it somehow for herself yeah through the eyes the power yeah, through, is the, through eyes. the eyes right of course through the you eyes. have to you have to inhale the burning of the eyes <laughs> right of course <laughs> right i mean it makes sense <laughs> obviously <laughs> that just made me think of when michael wincott is like oh well let's uh you know, let's all say goodbye to so-and-so because one of his guys died or whatever. <laughs> and then he like, does this line from this huge mountain of fucking cocaine on a table in front of him. Oh, yeah. It's like an obscene amount of cocaine. Yeah. Um, but, of course, she ends up getting her own eyes plucked out by the crow in that final yeah. set piece. Which, which is, is sweet justice. Yeah, pretty nice. Uh, she was going to cut the little girl's eyes out at one point. I'm like, that, that's a little much. She's got think? a thing for eyes. Yeah, she really does. She's like a fucking Dario Argento or something. She's really got a thing for eyeballs. Um, but yeah, or I should have said Fulci. I guess they both had a thing for eyeballs. But anyway, um, pretty cool action here too. Like when you get to that set piece, well, there's the one where he comes to the the place where he's, <laughs> Michael Wincott is meeting with all his oh. gang leader guys from the different gangs. Which that I oversees. love that. You get to see all the different characters. It's like a Dick, it's almost like Dick Tracy or something. <laughs> yeah, it's totally like a Dick <laughs> yeah. Tracy. 
He's like, okay, so tonight we're going out there. We're gonna hammerhead. What do you think? We gotta make a yeah. <laughs> we gotta make a fire so big that God sees it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that thing where it's like, step one, burn the city down. <laughs> step two, question mark. Step three, profit. <laughs> I just love, cause like. <laughs> I honestly didn't think about it because I'm just like, okay, he likes to fucking set fires. I don't know. But then you're like, yeah, how do you make money? (laughs) Is it supposed to be like we're sending the police a message? Like we're going to fuck shit up? Or is it supposed to be, is it supposed to tie more into like the whole reason that he sent his gang guys to the girlfriend's apartment in the first place was that he's, she was protesting the eviction notices that were coming to the people that lived in that building. And so he sent them there to like fucking get them oh. out of there. Cause so, he owns that tenement and he wants them out. So that, I don't know, for whatever reasons he can raise it to the ground. It's and, like a real estate graph. Yeah, it is. But they don't, <laughs> but they barely talk about it. Like barely in the movie. I see. So what he's doing is he's he's finding properties that he wants to purchase and he's burning them to the ground. He okay. just wants the land. He so he, he can want, get the he land. The nasty building. So he can get the land to build hotels and stuff. <laughs> and I mean, you wouldn't have been hard to build. It wouldn't have been hard to burn that building down because they had so many goddamn cand- candles uh, in their bedroom. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> These fucking goths. Uh, uh but yeah, I guess he makes like an allusion to it in the final scene when they're fighting and he's like, nothing goes on in this city that I don't have a hand in or whatever, you know. Um, it's, it's so funny because they don't really explain what he's doing or why he's doing it. No, not at all. And I mean, I get that the crazy gang guys are just like, yeah, let's go out there and fucking tear shit up because they're just like, you know, nutcases or whatever. But, but uh, you know, I guess the devil's night is like the purge. I guess. Yeah. They, just they make it this big thing in this. And there's, it keeps being news reports where there are people, the reporters are like, the fires have started again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the cops are like, Oh, they've only done like seven fires this time. That's nothing compared to last year. And Ernie Hudson's like, well, they got three more hours. Maybe they're late starters <laughs> or something. It's like, Oh, okay. This city is just like a fucking hell hole. Uh, it really is. Yeah. Can you imagine like living here? I love it though. I love the hot dog stand that the girl oh, goes yeah. to eat with the cop and all that stuff. She doesn't get onion rings Her, they, or onions because they make you fart. Make you fart. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we got the, the, the heroin addicted mom who's right. fucking the gang members and stuff. Uh, that lady, I feel like was so typecast. Uh, I, I, Anna Thompson, I think her name is something like that. Uh, she, every movie she's in, she's like a down on her luck waitress or, you know, type of character. Yeah. I mean, she, she looks like, uh, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Kind of Drew Barrymore is like welfare mom or something yeah i guess like the poor man's <laughs> yeah the really yeah. poor man's true brain <laughs> i guess terrible i don't know um yeah i don't know it's a weird movie i uh he take remember he grabs the mom and he's like she's like she makes her look in the mirror and he's like squeezes her arm so the heroin like drips out of it like oozes out of yeah, her he's arm. got like supernatural powers and right he's like, yeah and he's like you should uh be looking after your daughter basically and then suddenly she transforms into trying to be a a, a good mom. mom a good mom yeah in the next scene and then we never see her again <laughs> for the rest of the movie uh 
Oh, that's the other guy. He kills that guy and sticks a bunch of like sticks all syringes the syringes in his chest in the shape of the the crow symbol and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but that that scene when he goes, he shows up at the warehouse with all the drug dealers. Like this guy really loves his crows. And they all, yeah, and they all just like shoot the shit out of him, and then he pops up, starts rolling around. And I was just, we were just talking about Last Man Standing, and I was talking about how. I felt the action and that was pretty informed by John Woo, but I have to say that again here. Like yeah. there's definitely some Woo shit. He's falling backwards with two guns and shooting a guy above him so that he falls off. And it's not like, you know, super blatant, but there's stuff in here where I'm like, this absolutely is informed by, by some of that stuff. Um, and the, and the end sequence too, once they get that final shootout in that church. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, so he definitely watched The Killer because the, the final shootout in that is in a church like that. Um, the sword fight on the roof. Michael Wincott is his fucking get up. And his <laughs> swords. So good. I love that it comes down to a sword fight. Yeah. Uh, he's got like a ninja sword in one scene. And then I think he has like in that scene, it's more like a. I don't know, traditional like fencing sword or something that he's using. But well, he kills John Polito with a sword, too. Uh, the the pawn shop owner right when he's like getting him to tell him what happened to the the pawn shop and then he sticks the sword in him and he's making a whole bunch of gurgling noise and he's like don't you just fucking die and he like <laughs> he shoots, shoots him, shoots him. <laughs> there's some funny lines in yeah. this. um also when john polito when when the crow comes into his pawn shop he keeps saying shit on me he's like shit on me shit on me <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is a weird, weird choices of lines. Uh, like, it's a very weird movie. It's so 90s. Oh, yeah. Um, which barely, I you love. Could, you could barely get more 90s than this. Yeah, I love. I mean, the music alone yeah, is yeah. just like, okay. Like, I uh, I was watching it and uh, my wife was sitting on the couch, like, doing whatever. And the music's playing and I'm just like, I think I fucking hate the music from the nineties because it doesn't strike me as your kind of stuff. It was just, it was so much like every fucking song. I'm just like, I think I don't like grunge or something. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's like some grungy stuff here, like alternative, like industrial ish stuff and like gothy stuff all on here in the, on the soundtrack of this, like, you know, like nine inch nails and, fucking jesus and mary chain and all this kind of stuff like that so yeah uh, it's uh yeah i mean you kind of had to be there i guess <laughs> <laughs> i guess i guess yeah it's something <laughs> it's a lot um the final yeah the whole final sequence is pretty fun though in the church Ernie yeah. hudson shows up to help save him uh now he's like mortal because they they shoot. They shoot the crow. They shoot the Tony crow. Tony Todd shoots it with a sniper rifle, but he kind of only wings it, I guess. Yeah, it just is limping. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's still alive. Got to get it. Now, okay, <laughs> I forget how it ends. So I know they're on the roof. Yeah, they're fighting on the roof, and then it looks like Michael Wincott's about to win because he's like stabbed him. They mm-hmm. already shot him earlier, and now it's right. like affecting him. Like earlier in the movie, we see all the times he yeah. gets shot, the bullets, like the bullet holes disappear and stuff. Um, and he's like, let me give you something. And he like, he puts his hands on Michael Wincott's face and he transfers like 
the agony that his girlfriend experienced the, before like, dying. 11 hours of Yeah, agony. whatever it was, like all at once or something like that. I was like, that's a fucked up idea. Uh, that is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Because he experiences it through Ernie Hudson having been there. And he like takes those memories for himself. Right. And he's like, like, that would be so brutal, right? To like, why would you want to see that? Like your, yeah. your fiance raped and then dies uh, from her injuries and stuff. Uh, and he just like transfers that pain to the bad guy. I was like, that's kind of a fucked up, but, but interesting idea. Interesting way. Cause yeah. it could just be like such a common, like, Oh, I shot him. I stabbed him. What are you like? Yeah. What are you going to do? Right. Um, so he does that. And then Michael Wincott falls and is impaled on that, like gargoyle thing. Oh yeah. And the blood like runs out of its I mouth. I fucking <laughs> love that choice because when I saw those gargoyles earlier, when it was rain, you know, I, when it's raining, because it's always, it's always raining, raining. Uh, how it's going like th- out of their mouths. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is fucking sick. <laughs> and then the blood at the end, I'm yeah. like, fucking smart choices. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. Loved it. Yeah, just enough of a gore horror moment there. Yeah, that was excited. so good. <laughs> but what happens to the crow at the end? Well, I don't know what happens to the bird. It plucks out, you know, Byling's eyes, and then I don't know what it... Yeah, but well, like, what happens to Brendan Lee? I think he's like, I'm done. I got to go back to the grave now. Like, I'm going to go I back in my I, hidey hole. Did what I came to do. Killed this gang. Fixed the city. Uh, I just created a vacuum and like a worse gang will move into it. <laughs> well, uh, we've seen enough movies. We know how it works. I'm going to go back in my hidey hole and fucking. Until I'm resurrected again. I can't no, I don't I can't remember for sure. I don't even know if it's supposed to be the same I don't think it's even supposed to be the same guy in the second movie. Like I think it's some like, other, some guy, other gets, guy becomes the crow, you know, like he gets the spirit of the Oh whatever. man. I hope to God in the second one somebody's like, I've seen this before. <laughs> Detroit nineteen ninety four. There's some shit. There's a freaky bird flying around and suddenly <laughs> But it's just like <laughs> a man, I kinda you, you wouldn't die. I kinda love that concept of like every fucking sequel is a new guy and it's just like man, this reminds me of nineteen ninety four Detroit and then there's like another one wherever the fuck it is. It's like fucking Louisiana, the bayou <laughs> fucking witchcraft. <laughs> The next one's like, I don't know, fucking in Hawaii or some shit. <laughs> it's, it's hard to do anything goth, gothy in Hawaii. I know. That's what makes it so great, though. <laughs> He's got so, like it's a, a real fish crow, out of water. The crow has like a Hawaiian shirt on. <laughs> it's, it's a real fish out of water movie. He's drinking daiquiris out of a coconut or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. We could take this in a lot of directions, guys. Look at this. see the producers now. The crow in Hawaii. The crow. <laughs> I mean, you could have the crow like so many sequels because it's just like pick a new location, a new person. The crow in Baltimore. Crow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although they might really do that one. Uh, but yeah, so there's a remake apparently coming out this year, 2024. What? Alexander Skarsgård is playing the crow apparently, and apparently it's we done. Got a motherfucking Skarsgård. It's done shooting, from what I understand. What the fuck? So maybe later this year we'll be reviewing the remake at some point. That's weird. Yeah, kind of a trippy timing here. Or maybe Sam is smarter than us and he knew that was going to happen. Well, he is smart. 
We are fucking morons. <laughs> Uh, I remember hearing that there was a remake, but I didn't know that they had already finished making it. It's it's like ready to go. You, do you know what it's called? Uh, I I mean I'm assuming it's just going to be like oh the, yeah it's just the, the crow. crow yeah huh there you go new crow anyone anyone on the cast list of interest in that other besides Skarsgård? Let's see. Skarsgård, Danny Huston. Oh Houston, Danny Houston. Or, yeah, Houston. Sorry. Laura Byrne, FKA Twigs. I don't know. Oh, I love FKA Twigs. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Is that a person? I guess. <laughs> I. It looks like pretty much it's everyone like else a tra- is like... a trap singer or whatever, rapper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a modern reimagining of the beloved character, The Crow, based on the original graphic novel. There you go. So more crow in our lives probably coming soon, James. More crow, because <laughs> we are asking for it. I don't. That's what people want. They need more crow. They, mo- yeah. Why not? I mean, if all the sequels sucked, it's time to do something good again with it. I guess. I mean, assuming the sequels all sucked, I don't. Know. I don't know. I'm gonna assume that, and it's probably a safe assumption. So directed by Rupert Sanders. I don't know that. I don't know that person. Um. Such movies as Ghost in the Shell. Oh, okay, like the live action one. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so this is going to be like a CG heavy. Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh, was that with the. Uh, no, that's the Hansel and Gretel one. Uh, I remember the Snow White and the Huntsman existing, but I don't remember who's in it or anything. But yeah, anyway. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. But yeah, so anyway, Alex Proyas directed <coughs> The Crow, directed Dark City, and then eh, I think he did uh, iRobot, yeah. right? Which was all right. That wasn't too bad. I actually like iRobot is a, like a cable TV movie. Yeah, yeah, like we were talking about last week where it's like, okay, this is pretty entertaining. I can turn yeah. this on. Uh, but then after that, things got kind of weirder. Uh, the last movie I remember seeing by him was Gods of Egypt, which was fucking hilarious and weird. Uh, it, okay, who is that? Jake Gyllenhaal? No, I don't think he's in that. Uh, the guy oh, no, from like Game of uh, Thrones is in it. Um, who else was in Gods of Egypt? Uh, let me see here. Yeah, so Nikolai Nikolai Coster Waldu from Game of Thrones was in it. Is that like? Is there Gerard a- Jerry Butts was in it? Chadwick Boseman was in it. The Black Panther. Okay. Um, Jeffrey Rush. I mean, not exactly like. Uh, full of big stars but it was so weird it's almost like i almost want people to go and watch gods of egypt because it's not good but it's like fucking interesting <laughs> bizarre and just like i'm pretty like, sure what? i've seen it did you see it i, I was i'm I watched pretty it, sure i remember watching it and being like how the hell did they get a budget behind this thing because there's like big a lot of cg in it um Big monsters and I like think robotic conf- Egyptian god things and just weird shit. I think I'm confusing it with there's one there's something with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, Prince of Persia. Prince of Persia. That yeah. was a video game uh, adaptation. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. They're all the same. It seems to <laughs> me. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. Like they feel like it. 
they they have that similar look to them and all that all the same cg heavy shit have you seen the have the trailers for this argyle movie that's coming out it's like a spy action comedy thing no it's like um um bryce dallas howard from the jurassic worlds or whatever oh wait was that her or was that jessica chastain i get the two of them confused all the time anyway uh, oh, Argyle. I did see the preview for this. It's one of these things where I saw the ad and I was like, I don't think there's a single real thing in this entire ad. Like, everything is green screen. Everything is CG cartoon. Like, it just looks like one big fucking isn't isn't this a <laughs> Isn't this a Kingsman spinoff? Uh, no, it's the same director that did Kingsman. Um, oh, I thought it was like a spin-off. And it's, and it's like a sim- it's not a it's not that far off in a concept either. It's got something to do with spies and stuff, so. But yeah, anyway. Oh, yeah, okay. So she's a novelist who what she writes actually happens. Yeah. So all these spies or assassins are out to get her and then it's some kind of yeah. thing with Sam Rockwell with and like Samuel L. Jackson of course is in it because I, I, when I saw the ad I was like I bet you Samuel L. L. Jackson's in this you know what and he is Samuel L. Jackson like I don't care what the fuck he does like he and he doesn't care either but uh, <laughs> <Clearly>. <laughs> it's just like if he's in it I'm like whatever man you do you <laughs> You do you get that money, Samuel L. Jackson. It, it doesn't. It doesn't take away from like how great. Oh, you can't. He is, you can't diminish all right? the great stuff he's done. No, not at all. So he could just. He's got a pass to do. Oh, all John Cena is in. Want to be in the Hitman's Bodyguard? Go for it. Fucking everybody is in this. Everybody is in this thing. Oh uh, God. Anyway, I can't believe all these people. Did you just list all these people? Because like, well, I said Sam Rockwell and uh, Samuel L. Jackson. I didn't. Yeah, John Cena. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Know Brian Cranston. Oh yeah, Brian Cranston is in the ads too. That's right. Uh, Catherine O'Hara. Huge, Catherine O'Hara. Um, Shit's Creek. Why not? Sure. I'm it, probably not going to watch it. Yeah, no. I mean, the reason I brought it up is because it's just everything looks phony in in the movie, like in the trailer for it, like nothing. I wonder if the actors were even on screen at the same, or shooting at the same time as each other. I mean, can it be as bad as Uncharted? No, but few few things could be that bad. Fuck. Uh, anyway, let's let's wrap up the crow. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Like I say, I love the fucking atmosphere of it. It is very '90s, so like you know, that's gonna hit you however it hits you. Like it's, it's not gonna work for everybody. It's very '90s. I don't know if it's a good '90s that or the '90s I want to be draped in, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, you don't want to wear some of those leather outfits and stuff. No, I no. Uh, I mean, thinking of, speaking of which, Brandon Lee is looking pretty thin in this movie. I guess he lost like thirty pounds to get this role. Because, you know, he was bigger, more muscular kind of guy. And they were like, no, this guy's like a rock musician, whatever. Like, he's not you know buffed out guy. So he lost all this weight. And he was, like, really devoted to the part. And was like, mm-hmm. in the rain, he would be like, okay, I'm in the grave. I want to feel, like, cold and dead. So he would get them to throw all this, like, ice on him and shit with no shirt on. <laughs> so he would, like, feel the cold deadness of the character or something. I don't know. Right. I was like, wow, he was he was into doing this. He has a like because he's so like he lost so much weight. He has like his head and because it's painted in the way that it is and his face is kind of somewhat square like mm. um 
he at times looked like a bobblehead to me. <laughs> like his head just looked ginormous. It, it, I think I did it, not notice that. I think it's just because of the painted face. Right. So it's like hovering out there. In, yeah, it just the, is a little much. In the dark. <laughs> for me. Bobblehead. <laughs> I bet you can get a, uh, or at least one of those Funko Pops of the Crow. I'm sure that's out there. Yeah, you like those? I fucking hate them. They're like my most hated fucking toy. Don't they all just kind of look the same? They look exactly the same. They have like the same dead black eyes on every one of them. (laughs) Some of them are so like nondescript that I'm like, I don't even know who that's supposed to be. It's just like a guy. Hey, if you know, you know, Dustin. If you know, you know. And obviously you don't fucking know. I don't. Uh, All right. What do you got? Let's do some scores here. All right. Uh, Plot six. Kills six. Pacing four, <laughs> um, quotes, strokes six, overall five. It's pretty mid overall for me. Yeah. It's a 5.4. Fair enough. I got a little more into that 90s vibe. So I also had the six plot. I had seven action. I had seven pacing. I had six for quotes and tropes. Like I like a lot of the tropes going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a seven reaction. So I'm higher than you at a 6.6. Okay, so that's a six overall, which gives us a tie at 125 with Hard Target, Police Story, Con Air, and Point Break. Uh, I mean, I automatically know that for me, this goes behind all of those movies. Uh, Oh, yeah. Those are all fucking certified bangers that are all too low on this list. They're way too low. Um, Point Break? I mean, that is tragic that Point Break is this low on the list. Listen, it's that low because there's not a lot of action in it. I guess, but I don't know. I don't know. That's like a more of a crime... Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is an action movie. It's just, I don't know. It's not a nonstop action movie, that's for sure. What, what, what was the, what? Final, the first couple that you said? Uh, hard Target. Oh, yeah, Hard Target. That's, no, 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 no. That's an all-timer. That should be top 20. <laughs> I'm, I, not, I'm not even disagreeing. Yeah, top 20. Uh, Police Story. Uh, I mean, Police that, Story, we were, I don't know why we were so hard on that movie. That movie is fucking awesome. I think because, you know, I like the older or the later Jackie Chan movies, maybe? I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, the, what you were exposed to first, right? Was I, I think Police Story is, there's a lot of like really big set pieces, but there's a there's like all this stuff in between. So right. it's like... It kind of kills the momentum a little so bit. So you have like three or four major set pieces like at the beginning. That are like insane. They're insane. Like the car going through all of those buildings at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Or like right? the mall or, fight yeah. at the end is just Where you get nuts. like three or four replay shots mm. of him like yeah, going falling, down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, then Con Air. Con Air. Oh, shit. Uh, cheesy as fuck, but... Yeah, and then Point Break. So, yeah. So it's gonna go. So it's gonna be our new number one twenty nine, right ahead of the last Boy Scout. Ouch, man. We we were hard on that movie too. And Conan the Barbarian. Last Boy Scout though still needs to be redone because we never actually released that one. Uh, and Showdown in Little Tokyo. Oh, there you go. Not that far away from. I me. like Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yeah, that's more. a fun. That's a fun fucking. Movie. You like that more than this? Yeah. I mean, it's more. I think that's more your style for sure. Yeah. Than this. Yeah. This is a pretty specific sort of flavor going on here. I mean, we're right in the ballpark of our last movie, Last Man Standing, because Last Man Standing is 6.1. 
Yeah, and I think I rated this higher than I rated Last Man Standing, and you rated it uh, a decent chunk lower, so then it ended up... Yeah, so new number 129 on the list. There you go. All right, well, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for going on this 1994 goth journey (laughs) with us, and thanks to Sam for uh, picking this movie. Uh, I don't know if I would ever have watched it personally. Um, I can't picture it like you like being like I'm gonna watch The Crow. Yeah, I mean weirder things have happened. Um, Memoirs of a Geisha, you know I watched <laughs> Memoirs that. Memoirs of a Geisha. <laughs> I watched that. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, thanks for picking it. Thanks uh, for listening. Uh, you can catch us up on uh, Instagram at Action Action Podcast. Talk to Dustin. Uh, tell him how much of a piece of shit I am. <laughs> and you can find our list on Letterboxd at Action Action. And you can also find us on Patreon at Action Action Podcast. Um, come- James, I've been deleting all the emails I get where they're like, James is a fucking piece of shit. And I'm like, you know what? Really? I'm not passing that on. I want to okay? read that shit, though. <laughs> I, I use that as fuel, okay, <laughs> to keep doing this shit. <laughs> Because it's like, oh, you yeah. You hate me? Well, I'm coming yeah. back next week. <laughs> fuck me? Fuck me? No, fuck you. Okay? I'm going to keep doing it. And you're going to keep listening because you're going to uh, hate listen? Yeah, you're going to hate listen. <laughs> Maybe? Hate that fucking James guy. <laughs> Bring John back. <laughs> Bring back John. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. Guys, guys.